PodRocket is sponsored by LogRocket, a front-end monitoring and product analytics solution. Just to say it's not really sponsored by anyone, it's sponsored by us, LogRocket, and we're giving it away for free. The podcast is free, the product is not free. There's a free trial, we could split hairs about whether or not that's free to you, but anyway, that's it. There are no more ads. If you're interested and you want us to know that you came from the podcast, please go to logrocket.com slash podrocket. If you don't care, logrocket.com works just fine. Thanks. In this episode, Ben interviews Christian Boat, creator of Goober, a less than one kilobyte CSS in JS solution. Christian is also a member of the Preact core team. Unsurprisingly, they talked about Preact, Goober, and WMR, a tiny all-in-one development tool for modern web apps. Let's get started. Hey, Christian, how are you doing today? Hey, Ben, I'm doing good. You? Pretty well, and um, you know, excited to have you here. And I figured we could start by talking about Goober. You know, mm-hmm. always fun to say that name. And I'm going <laughs> to add, or I guess we could start before we even talk about what Goober is. How did you come up with the name? Oh man, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know. It was just like a free spot on npm, I guess. I think I started with this idea that you can have like styled components, but at the cost of nothing and nothing translated to me like peanuts. And I saw the peanuts emoji and I was like trying to come up with a synonym that it's free on NPM. (laughs) And Goober was it. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I chose the name. (laughs) Perfect. Well, I like it and it's memorable. So that's always important with names. Yeah. So now that we know nothing, it's very lightweight, but what is Goober? Goober is actually a style components library, but I'm trying really hard to keep it under 1K when it ends up in your bundle. I mean, on disk or install size right now, it might be somewhere around one point something, but that's negligible because, you know, with 3Shake, you get less, less of that. So I try to keep it also as close as possible to the established industry, you know, libraries and authors like style components and emotion. I think those were like my main inspiration. So yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, just if you use the motion and style components, you're going to feel at home with Goober. <laughs> and for folks who are maybe not as familiar with the paradigm, maybe just give a quick intro to like styled components and what kind of that pattern looks like. So the classical styling of elements on web is you have CSS, either inline or external style sheet or via a style tag. Well, to be able to develop like modern interface or in a modern code base, you're going to have some CSS in your JavaScript. And also, you know, we touch on the CSS in JS term as well. So to streamline the development of components being styled, I think the first library that came up with this API was style components. And they came up with an API that you can give it a, a tag name and then call it with some properties of CSS. And then you get yourself a JSX element or a, you know, a React basically element that you can render and it's already styled with the class name attached. And in the background, you get everything pretty much done for you in terms of applying the styles, defining the styles and appending them to a, to a style sheet in the head. Got it. And style components, correct me if I'm wrong, it helps with kind of the encapsulation of styles. And you know, one of the difficulties with CSS is often that you you maybe just want to style one individual component. You don't want to affect other components. And with the component-based architecture, CSS was traditionally a leaky abstraction. Exactly. So style components helps with that, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And also like the co-location of your styles with your code, right? So you have a button and you have a style for that button. Uh, that style won't be applied to anything else on, on your page, only on your button. So yeah, that definitely encapsulation is, is a strong point. 
And so how similar is the Goober API to that of styled components? Goober started as me trying to build a website, but got really and heavily sidetracked, basically. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I started like prematurely shave off bytes of my bundles. And the only thing that I didn't touch at that point was the style components. And I was like, well, there's got to be a smaller alternative, but there kind of wasn't. I mean, only if you go into the compiled section. But I didn't want to compile anything. I just wanted to have it on the runtime. So I started like, you know, composing my own style function and so on. Basically, that's how I ended up with Goober having the same API, but with a bit of trade-offs. So, you know, in style components, you got your style dot and then the tag name. While in Goober, we cannot offer the tag names attached as aesthetic properties to the style function because that takes space. And only because of that, you have to type in yourself the tag name that you want. So, for example, let's say you want to style the div in Goober, you can do that with style and then call it styled as a function with the argument of a string with the value of div. And that'll give you a div ready to be styled. But that's pretty much like the most huge difference in terms of API. So to dig in there a bit, when you say Goober doesn't include the tag names, maybe explain that a bit more just so folks who are listening can can understand kind of what does that trade-off mean for when you're actually developing? Sure. So having those properties there means style components, for example, they have to manually attach those properties onto the styled function. So, and those properties are only available DOM elements, you know, divs, A's, B's, B's, everything that's in there uh, needs to be attached on the style function. And that's like statically typed in the code base. I mean, if, <laughs> if Goober wants to be small, it cannot have that in there. So, yeah. So you mentioned Goober, is it only 1KB or how big is Goober? And then how big is, I think, styled components is around like 10KB? Yeah. I mean, more precisely right now, I think style components is 12 and emotion is around 12, okay. 10, 11. But again, with reshake, you can shave some of that off, but not, not that much, right? Because they do offer some functionality that Goober obviously can, can compete with that. Yeah, I guess that's a good question. Like besides from what we discussed with tags, are there any other kind of big trade-offs that you made in the interest of size, you know, functionality mm -hmm. that you couldn't include? Yeah, so practically speaking about the trade-offs, one thing that you won't be trading off is the performance. In almost all of the tests, the users of Goober did, and I personally, Goober comes first, obviously, because it's small in size, <laughs> doesn't have to execute that much code, and so on and so on. One other interesting thing about Goober is that while Emotion and Style Components, they use a parser to parse the CSS that you pass along to the Style API, Goober uses like a regex rule, <laughs> which took me really, really long to build. <laughs> and I'm always like trying to tinker with it to see if I can like squeeze something more in there or less or make it shorter and so on. But yeah, so the big trade-off is if style components and emotion uses a third-party library to parse the CSS, Goober uses the own parser, which is a regex rule, basically. But my parser from Goober passes, I think it's just like one case that Stylist, Stylist is the parser that style component and emotion uses. So it passes almost all the test cases for, for Stylist, but just one. 
there's a bug opening <laughs> in the Google repo. So if you feel <laughs> adventurous and <laughs> you know, want to help out. Yeah, and also the developer experience. This is one other thing that uh, it's fairly important to mention. Obviously, Goober cannot offer like developer tools, uh, warnings, highlights, uh, and so on. Goober does have TypeScript and types and also has the theming system in there. But other than that, there aren't like big trade-offs that one would steer away from Goober just because it doesn't have that thing. I mean, obviously, this is subjectively <laughs> on each use case, but the people who use Goober, they're pretty much happy with it. And they didn't run into like, you know, big issues that they couldn't solve with Goober. Maybe this is a naive question, but couldn't some of those developer tools and warnings and things like that be built as a development-only dependency and then get compiled out for the production build? That's a good question. To do that, you're going to have to make Goober aware that it's running in production or development mode, and that takes up space. So even that will add space into the production bundle. And it wasn't something that I wanted to include just because I was so used with the style API that for me personally wasn't useful. But yeah, that, that's a good question. And maybe, yeah, I should explore it more. Yeah, or maybe if anyone's listening wants to uh, open a PR with an experiment there, we'll definitely put a link to the Goober repo and for any folks who are interested in checking it out or potentially contributing. Yeah, definitely. So I guess basically by using Goober instead of style components, you save 11 kilobytes. Like different teams have different ways of thinking about the added weight of dependencies and in, obviously in different industries. I know a lot of e-commerce companies tend to be on the more sensitive side to bundle size versus you know, maybe an internal banking app, yeah. maybe there's less sensitivity in, in, in a use case like that. But what does that 11 kilobytes mean? Like, how should developers be thinking about like how big a savings that is kind of on average? And it's a very blanket question, but I just, <laughs> you know, I often talk to folks who aren't really sure how to think about each kilobyte and what that means for the load time on average of their application. That's really depending on the project that uh, you're working on, obviously, as, as you say, Ben. But when we measure these things, it totally depends on the code that you're executing. So recently, I've been working on a project, and we're doing a server-side rendering app, and we're trying to see how much dehydration takes up. The first thing that we, we tried to take away was, I mean, we, we were using Emotion, and I tried with Goober. And obviously, practically, when you take out 11Ks or 10Ks, your <laughs> metrics should go up uh, in performance, but the size should go down. Well, the size did go down, but the metrics were really scrambled that you couldn't like put your finger on, yes, replacing emotion with Goober will save you one second of load time or, or stuff like that. And that's just because there was so much code that replacing one library with another didn't make sense at the end of the day. So... To answer in like, what does 1K mean in terms of load? Load time, yes, will be uh, reduced. I mean, how much? That totally depends on the connection and so on. But if you think in terms of space royalty, right? So you get rid of 10Ks of dependency, that 10K can turn into a feature or some more code base of your product and delivering the same performance or even better one. So it's a, honestly, it's a difficult question. I, I can't imagine how I would have to answer in a more practical way because <laughs> it depends. It seems like this idea of taking popular development paradigms or tools mm -hmm. and shrinking them is a theme in your work. You're on the <laughs> Preact core team. Yes. So we could maybe pivot there. And for anyone who's not familiar, could you give us a brief introduction to Preact? 
you know, from what I understand, is kind of similar to Goober and kind of that it's the React API, but a much smaller dependency. But maybe you could give us a, a bit more detailed explanation of, of what Preact is. I believe it was love at first sight for me with Preact. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've discovered Preact, I think, I don't know, six or seven years ago while trying to come up with a server-side rendered app but also serve a smaller bundle to the client. And the Preact story versus React, it's a bit different versus Goober and style components. I mean, the implementation in Goober, it's totally different than the other libraries, but in Preact, it's different, but it's the same. <laughs> That's the achievement that I think the Preact team should be proud of. I mean, React, it's a great code base to learn and see the paradigms, uh, the patterns of programming, computer science, and so on, you name it. But in Preact, everything is so compressed that you have to be there to be able to realize what does. And also you have to know React and so on. But I think that's the, the biggest achievement that Preact has is that you won't lose on functionalities, on APIs, on anything, only on your kilobytes. So you would lose that, but not on anything else. Got it. And how closely does the Preact team track the new changes to React? Like, for example, I mean, Hooks is not that new anymore, but like, does Preact support React Hooks? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that was, um, I don't want to say an effort, but that was a hurdle that we had to jump over. By the time I joined, the Preact team was in the middle of a full rewrite with Preact 10 that included Hooks. So by the time I joined, they already had hooks in there um, and they were pretty much settled on the APIs and so on. But yeah, since then, hooks are part of Preact. But in terms of features, there's a bit of uh, chasing React <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> but, you know, in all honesty, this kind of chasing will end at some point with React coming up with uh, several components there's definitely going to be a fracture between today's development of React apps and the future ones. So if the future ones would require you to have a Node.js server to be able to serve uh, server components, we believe that Preact won't be that kind of framework. Preact will stay true to, to its original commitment to be a library that will render your DOM elements with a React similar API. Honestly, we think this is going to be a good thing for us, uh, right? Because we won't have to keep looking at React in a way of where to go next or what do we need to implement that React did recently. So it'll allow us to explore more things moving forward. So I'm curious to learn more about WMR, which I understand is a tool recently released by the Preact team. Could you, could you give us a bit of overview on what that is? Sure. WMR, we consider it to be like a next-gen bundler and it does a lot more, but, you know, stays true to the Preact core methodologies like zero dependencies and comes with really, really small in size. So the compile down CLI is just two, two megabytes, which is really a lot less. Yeah, if you look through the other bundlers and compilers and website builders, this is peanuts <laughs> to mm -hmm. find on the Kuber. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that we WMR that's really great is that you get, you know, a development server that's starting instantly. So you get like instant reloads. You can develop from the start point. You don't have to install TypeScript, React, Preact, anything like that. You you got JSX in there. It's got it's gonna be transformed for you. And it's all based on rollup and has like a really, really great plugin system, which is really to build on top of. 
So is the right way to think about it as like an alternative to Create React App? Create React App basically simplifies the whole process of Webpack, but it has Webpack under the hood, as I understand. So is it, this is kind of like an alternative to that? Yeah, pretty much. It's more like in the same context of a Vit from uh, even you and also Snowpack. They're in the same court, uh, in the same context. So I think when we started working on WVMR, we exchanged ideas, you know, Fred, Jason, and even we've been talking a lot about what this means and how, how to build stuff and so on. But I'm using WMR to build all my uh, side projects and websites now. So it's battle tested in terms of that we are using it and goober.rocks, it's actually built with WMR. I was going to ask at the end, you know, for anyone who wants to learn about Goober, where do they where do they go? And I know Goober.rocks is kind of the new website for Goober. So for anyone that wants to learn about Goober, check out Goober.rocks. I guess to circle back on you know, the first point you made about WMR and that it's, you know, only two megabytes in, in size, like, why does that matter for a development tool? Like, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just a, you know, a tool, like a CLI tool that's on your yeah. development machine. So whether it's two megabytes or four megabytes, like what effect? Nowadays, computers have a lot of storage space. So, you know, obviously, Goober, Preact, those are tools that are code that ship to the client. So size is very important. But why does it matter for a development tool? It only matters in terms, I mean, I bet you've seen those memes or images where the black hole, you know, with node modules going beyond. (laughs) So, you know, keeping that in mind, WMR will never be that thing, right? It's just going to be like a tiny portion. So having a bundler which is small in size uh, means it executes faster, needs less space, and it's going to be installed faster as well. So you get all the performance benefits as you would have like a, a small website, but this is like for a CLI. So, you know, you don't have to uh, wait 10 minutes for your bundler to be installed. Got it. And if someone's interested in using WMR, can they start using WMR on an existing project? Or it's kind of something you would generally want to like when you're starting a new project, you do your first build with WMR and then you use it from from there on in. Usually folks have been using it. I mean, I'm using it only from the scratch. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if out of the bat it's possible to include it in a, in a current project just because it outputs to this folder, to a build folder. So that means it'll right. overwrite everything you have there. But to get it going, you just need an index.html linking to a JavaScript file. And that's it. So if you have that already, <laughs> then yes, <laughs> you can start using WMR. So for anyone that wants to try out WMR, I guess they can just Google WMR GitHub and or is there a landing page for that as well that you'd recommend checking out? There isn't one yet, but they can go to preactjs slash WMR on GitHub and yeah, it's, it's going to be there. Or try it with MPX in it. I think you can use Yarn for WMR as well, right? If that, or NPM yeah, yeah. even, if you're old-fashioned and still use NPM. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yes, yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> anyway, Christian, really enjoyed having you on today. You know, for folks out there who want to check out some of these projects we discussed, goober.rocks is the yeah. landing page of Goober. Preactjs.com is the landing page for Preact. And exactly. then WMR is in the Preact.js GitHub organization. Yep. So go check out those tools. Perhaps consider becoming a contributor. Yes, actually, it sounds like Goober is a very approachable tool to contribute to. And um, yes. you know, as Christian mentioned, always looking for contributors. So yeah, thanks so much for, for joining us, Christian. It was great speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. Hey. It's Brian again. So it turns out that running a podcast is maybe harder than we thought. 
And so I kind of want to hear from you. I'm genuinely interested in your feedback. We have to think about new topics, new guests. We have to find them. And don't get me wrong, we can do it, but it's a lot easier if everyone else who's listening helps. So if you'd like to suggest a topic or volunteer to be on Pod Rocket, we'd like to hear from you. So you can do that by going to podrocket.logrocket.com slash contact hyphen us. The hyphen is next to the delete key if you're curious. If all of that is too long, you can just email me directly, brian at logrocket.com. That'd be great. Also, if you're feeling magnanimous, be sure to like and subscribe to Pod Rocket. Thank you. Mm-hmm.